Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lenz, and his teaching in Philemon 1, 1 through 7, called Refreshing the Saints. Paul makes it clear in different texts in the New Testament that we don't necessarily have time to get into tonight that the institution of slavery um, in that men are less equal based on race or ethnicity or skin color, those things are not of the Lord. In fact, the Old Testament condemns those things. We'll get into that in a moment. But here's what we know. Paul is saying, look, you guys are brothers in Christ. And so no longer will you see him as a servant. Now, the other thing is that Philemon's reputation is possibly also on the line. Because if word gets out, and Onesimus is well known. In fact, he's mentioned in the letter to the Colossian church as well, which is not an accident. I believe that Paul is very strategic in the way that he writes these two letters. Because, see, if the whole church in Colossae, Colossae knows what's going on, well then Philemon has to make a decision knowing that everybody's watching what he'll do next. So Paul is not dumb. He is very much writing this letter in a very unique fashion, in a strategic manner, making his plea for Onesimus. And this is also the only letter that Paul doesn't use his normal introduction. Instead of saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, how does he introduce himself? Look at verse one with me. He says, Paul, a what? A prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Now, he mentions Timothy. Um, obviously, we know Paul and Timothy are extremely close. The last, Paul, uh, the last letter that Paul pens before his, um, um, his um, execution, uh, before he's beheaded in Rome, is 2 Timothy. And, and he talks about how Timothy is also like a son to him, and uh, there's this close-knit bond. But there's really no evidence that Timothy helps write these letters. It may have happened, but we just don't know. But we know this. Paul is making a very clear Uh, ask to Philemon. I think there's a beautiful thing about the church as we gather. All of us come from different backgrounds, different social status, uh, different, different regrets and past. And the thing that unites you and I tonight, as different as our lives may look and may have looked before we came to faith in Christ, all of those things are irrelevant. The, the ground is level, if you will, at the foot of the cross. And so whether you have lots of money tonight and you're extremely successful in what you do or you are barely making it by, whatever, by whatever measure you want to measure success, uh, the way that the world measures success, all of those things don't matter. Because the common bond that you and I should have, and I pray do have, is Jesus Christ. That's the thing that unites us. That's what matters. It's, it's not about any other thing. And our culture needs that message right now, don't we? It's not about uh, ethnicity or race or social status or how successful you are or how attractive the world would classify you as. No, the thing that gives you value and where your identity lies, and this is the message that Paul is relaying to his brother in Christ, is you guys have a common bond. It's Jesus. 
and all the other things that have happened, whatever, and we don't even know if Onesimus shares with Paul exactly what he did. He may have just said, I really messed up, man, and I need your help. Maybe Paul knows every detail of what happened, but it doesn't matter, and that's why it's not even in the text. In fact, in this letter, Paul doesn't even need to mention the resurrection and the, de- and the, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, because he is asking two men who are now Christians to act like Christians. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if more Christians act like Christians? It's, it's really deep stuff. But the church is dying in many ways, and we, we talked about this on Tuesday morning. The church will never die because she's the bride of Christ. But I will tell you, there are so many dead, quote-unquote, churches with a bunch of dead Christians, quote-unquote, Christians, filling pews, warming seats, filling the number charts at churches, and what, what does that have? I heard a friend uh, say the other day that the number of people that attend your church, um, it was actually a YouTube video, and it was a guy talking about um, just the modern church and some of the things that have a tendency to plague our modern church and the way we even approach what success in the church looks like. And he said the number of people that sit in your services on a Sunday has little to no bearing on how successful your ministry is. And even as we look at the text tonight... Philemon is praised over and over again by the Apostle Paul for refreshing the saints, for the love that he's poured out, for his faithfulness to the gospel. And it's very possible that this is a church of maybe 15 people. This is a small startup in Colossae. And unfortunately for us in our American culture, we have been told bigger is always better. And that is the way that so many of us live our lives with this consumer mentality that we always need the next thing and that we always need more stuff. I like stuff, but I can't live for stuff. I can't live for success. Those things can't be what I live for. No, success for the church is measured by what we've already addressed tonight, which is that we have a common bond in Jesus Christ. And that the message of the gospel goes out to the saints. And as we see in the text, the saints are refreshed. If you come here and you are just given a motivational talk, and I tell you that you're good and you're good and you're good, it's been said many times that many people sitting in church are told, you're okay and I'm okay. And the only thing they know for sure is that they're not okay. There's something missing in their life. And the the praise comes to Philemon from the Apostle Paul himself because he says, you are refreshing the saints. He says in verse four, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. We could learn some lessons from how the Apostle Paul measures a godly life and success. The church in Colossae wasn't the best music ministry, putting out one or two good albums a year. They didn't have the coolest set designs. I do our set designs. I like being creative. I like pouring out my creative abilities in those things. But that, that's not how we measure our success. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had 
with people in the church who are going from church to church to church looking for the thing that fits and works for them best. But what they need and what they really need and what they don't realize they need maybe in the depths of their soul is they need the truth of the gospel. And that is why the Apostle Paul says that it brings joy to his heart when he prays for the church in Colossae and for men like Philemon because they are equipping the saints. I suppose that maybe this is just a fundamental issue with the modern Christian church. We have celebrated, maybe to a fault, individuality. Now, the Bible makes it clear that you and I are all created unique. In fact, Paul himself writes in the New Testament that all of us have unique roles, but we're a part of the same body. But Paul's point in writing that is not that when we gather here, we celebrate you and me. Quite frankly, if we were here to celebrate me, I think the turnout would be far worse tonight because there's not much to celebrate. Because at the end of the day, you and I are both broken people who need a savior. And what has happened in the church is that we have praised people and put people on pedestals. And I will tell you, it is one person falling after the next. And Reach Records, which is a popular Christian uh, uh, label, many popular Christian rappers on this label. One of them is Gavi. He is uh, a really well-known DJ. In fact, most of Lecrae and Andy Minio and Words Played, if you listen to any Christian hip-hop, um, all of these guys... A lot of their beats are made by Gavi. And the song, he has, a lot of DJs have like their thing, right? And Gavi's thing is like the beginning of every song. It's like, Gavi, get him. You know, and then the song starts. It's pretty cool. But Gavi, who's a professing Christian, has just been removed on Monday from Reach Records for sending inappropriate, unsolicited photos to women who are not his wife. And I watch one person after the next who is in I, and I told my wife as we, as she told me, she sent me the article and told me what happened and we both like his music and I thought, another person has fallen. And I said to her the other night, I said, I don't understand how these men in such great positions think that they can get away with things like this. And then I take a step back and I realize that every single one of us is, is tempted in these areas and susceptible to falling. And so each one of us must be on guard. And I, I often wonder, and I bring that up because I wonder, I wonder how many Christians who have made it to the top of this world's measure of success are not actually getting equipped. And so sin begins to creep into the back door of their life. I wonder if we would feed our soul more and our flesh less, how much it would impact our church culture. And so fundamentally, the Christian church is not about celebrating individuals. When we gather, we gather for the sake of glorifying God and being equipped as saints so that we can go out into a world with the message of hope. And yes, fellowship and the different uh, personalities that God has given each one of us are beautiful things that can be celebrated and are an aspect of what we do, but they cannot be everything. And so the simple gospel does away with all the differences that we bring into this room. And I put in my notes, we gather for Christ, to know Christ, 
and to be in Christ. That's the purpose. I think that Paul understood this. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, Anxiety. What is it, and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy, and I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing, is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his Heavenly Father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. And I put in my notes, we gather for Christ, to know Christ, and to be in Christ. That's the purpose. I think that Paul understood this. And even as he introduces himself, he introduces himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul could have started off this letter to Philemon and reminded him of all of his accomplishments and all the things that he's done and who he is and the authority that he has as an apostle of Jesus. But he doesn't do that. You know why? Because Paul understands humility. The Bible talks about humility a lot in that it talks about pride a lot. Just a few examples. You don't need to remind people of your accomplishments or how successful you've been. It's not Christ-like. And all of us are tempted to do that because of our own insecurities and the things that we struggle with and our own self-doubt. We love to, to walk into a room and remind people how good we are. Brian Regan, who's a uh, comedian, he has a, a sketch called The Me Monster. <laughs> And he tells the story of being at a dinner party, and there's always that one guy. Yeah, well, you know, I'm over here, and I'm uh, raising the global network, and we're raising $5 million this year. Me, 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 You know, and he starts, like, losing his mind. And Brian Regan said, I wish I could just have, like, one really big accomplishment that just always tops everybody else. He said, I just wish I could say I walked on the moon. You know, let the guy go on and on and on about all his accomplishments and everything he's got going on, and just sit there quietly. 
And then, when he finally is quiet, just say, I walked on the moon. <laughs> Floor is yours, moonwalker, you know? But scripture, Brian Regan's great, but he's not, I don't know if it's divine inspiration. But let's look at some scripture about pride. Proverbs 16, 8 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How many times have you seen this? Oh, I, these are the most satisfying videos for me on YouTube. Oh, it's like the, the they, they always call them instant karma. I call them instant Holy Spirit. Bam, you know, just like conviction. But it's, it's so great when the cocky guy gets humbled in front of everybody. Isn't that just so satisfying? It's probably sinful that I'm like, I enjoyed maybe too much. But, you know, you just see the guy and he's going, uh, you know, on and on. And a lot of times I, I, I used to play a lot more pickup basketball until somebody broke my nose by headbutting me and then didn't apologize. And I decided it probably wasn't for me. Um, but we used to play pickup basketball and the egos in pickup basketball are something else, man. Like, we are playing at a park. There's five-year-olds playing soccer right there, man. Like, this is not that serious. The slow-pitch softball team for the church that we've had uh, from time to time, I'm like, we are playing Division Three softball in Corona, California. Like, no one cares about this. And the egos that happen on that field are unbelievable. And sometimes, you know, I, we played a team one time, and, and it was it was we were giving them a rough time. You know, the score was climbing on our end and not moving on theirs. And their first baseman was just like going on and on. And it was, and you always see this, it was everybody else's fault on the team, right? Like, and at one point he literally said loud enough for everybody to hear, I can't win this game alone. (laughs) And then ball after ball, he's playing first base, tipping off his glove, not making the play. And I was like, yeah, you're darn right. You can't win this game alone, buddy. I don't think you can do it with your whole team. But it's so satisfying when you see somebody humble. (laughs) It's very humiliating uh, and humbling when it happens to you, though, isn't it? How many times have you started saying something and then immediately are humbled and you just feel so foolish? Galatians 6.3, Paul writing to the church in Galatia says, for if anyone thinks he is something, here's a straightforward note, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. There's another time where in the New Testament it says, brothers, we ought not to think too highly of ourselves. <laughs> you know, just Paul is saying in that passage in Galatians, if anyone thinks he is something when he is in fact nothing, he's fooling himself. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Another proverb, Proverbs twenty six twelve says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for that man. Are you wise in your own eyes? Do you think you got it all together? Sometimes I really do think I've got it all together. And then the Holy Spirit's like, (laughs) that's going to be my analogy tonight. Holy Spirit slap. And sometimes we need that. And pride most certainly does come before the fall. In short, do away with pride. It's not pleasing to God. And we could learn a lot of little lessons from the way that Paul even addresses this letter. I also suppose, as I said earlier, it is a strategic introduction because uh, we will soon see Paul ask Philemon to lay aside his rights uh, to carry out due punishment to Anisimus. And so I'm, I'm sure there is some forward thinking and inspiration from the Holy Spirit here in the way that this letter opens. But I know this. What Paul is asking of Philemon is, is a high calling. It's a big deal. He's not only asking him to forgive, he's asking him to take in Philemon as one of his own. 
as a family member. And so we know that Paul has a fair amount of authority in this situation, not only being an apostle, but the NLT reads this way, uh, I, Paul, write this with my own hand, I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. And so there's clear indication that uh, in some way Philemon, like I have said already, has become a Christian because of Paul's work, possibly one of his missionary journeys. There's other people mentioned in this text. It's possible that uh, Apipha is uh, Philemon's wife. We don't know. That's just conjecture. Um, and there's other people mentioned, but the, like I said, the three main characters are, in fact, Philemon, Onesimus, and Paul. And so let's look at verse 2. Uh, verse 3. He says, grace, and, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I thank my God, always, when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and for all the saints. I thank God when I remember you. The first thing that strikes me is I'm reminded that Paul and so many godly men throughout Scripture are men of prayer. Is prayer a priority in your life? I, I know that for me, there have been uh, seasons in my life where I feel like I always am, am faithful to pray to the Lord and spend that time. And then I have seasons like having a new baby where it's just utter chaos. And then you look at her and you guys are all like, oh, what do you mean utter chaos? I'm like, all right, at 2 a.m., you're going to come to my house you're going to come in my room and you're going to hear sounds that I didn't know babies could make, okay? Like screaming sounds that high frequencies, that ears are bleeding, windows are splitting. <laughs> and, you know, there are seasons and maybe we get busy in our life or um, we become overwhelmed by uh, different circumstances or maybe we suffer loss. Uh, maybe we go through a, a difficult season, whatever it may be. And the tendency and the propensity and the temptation is that maybe we move away from the Lord. Maybe we distance ourselves from the Lord. But the exact opposite is encouraged in Scripture and even commanded that we would make all our prayers and, and our needs known before the Lord. I asked you, is prayer something that you make a priority in your life? But I think a, a, a better question would be, do you understand how necessary prayer is for your life as a Christian? I believe that when you build healthy habits with prayer, it becomes almost like breathing. It's something that you stop thinking about as a task. It's just something that you do naturally. And when you don't do it, it begins to cripple you. If prayer is not like that for you, you know how you can fix that? Start praying. Start praying more. And I think maybe... Maybe some of us, we think of prayer and we think of, uh, you know, the sweet old lady that has her prayer closet in her home. And you're like, I have six kids. I go to work at 6 a.m. I got to pick them up from school. I got to make their lunches, whatever your schedule looks like. And you're like, I don't have time for a prayer closet. I, my favorite place to pray is in my car. And sometimes driving in Southern California, you better be praying while you're driving your car or you're going to be a non-Christian on the freeway, okay? Uh, so... <laughs> 
But I actually, as much as uh, I have such passion and a love for music, and I do li- listen to music fairly often in my car, but a lot of times in the morning, I don't, and my wife pointed this out when we started dating. She said, you know, there's a lot of times, because I've had a habit of just using that time to pray. Uh, when we first started dating, she pointed out, like, why do you never turn on music in the car? And I don't never turn it on, but more often than not, I'll end up just driving in silence. And I, I find that that's a time that can be redeemed for good. Now, it's not to say that if you listen to music while you're driving, you're wasting your time. Unless, of course, the music you're listening to is not honoring to the Lord at all. Then that is another thing. And we can talk about that another time. But I would encourage you to find time in your day and make it a routine and a habit to seek the Lord in prayer. You've been listening to Refreshing the Saints, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his teaching in Philemon 1, 1 through 1-7. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. As you know, we love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the rest of us here a letter. We love to get mail, so you can get all that contact information on walkintruth.com. Or if you're ready now, here's the email address. It's contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, you can write us at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, as he teaches in Philemon 1, 1 through 7, called Refreshing the Saints. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.